1: Welcome to the latest Flyers Talk podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. We have another special edition, draft edition of this Flyers Talk podcast. The draft wrapped up on Wednesday, day two, rounds two to seven. The Flyers 2020 draft class is complete. Uh, We will go through that and we will also talk a little NHL free agency because before you know it... uh, That is right around the corner as well. A busy all season for the Flyers, but it's fun to talk about. And per usual, I am Jordan Hall, and I'm joined by the wonderful Brooke Destra, and I am also joined by Flyers pre- and post-game live producer Joe Fordyce. Plenty to talk about, Joe and Brooke, but real quick, let me go just through the draft class, what the Flyers landed with uh, in this 2020 draft. They had seven picks going in. But they ended up finishing with just five just because of a couple trade-ups. But overall, day one, we know that we already talked about Tyson Forrester, uh, 23rd overall pick for the Flyers. But day two, in the second round, they got Emil Andre, a defenseman out of Sweden. In the fourth round, they traded up to get the very first pick in that fourth round, and they gave up two picks to draft Zade Wisdom um, out of the OHL, a winger. At 94th overall. And then in the fifth round, they also traded up again, gave up a pair of picks in the seventh round to draft Elliot DeNoise out of uh, the QMJHL, also a winger. And then with their very final pick in the sixth round, they drafted Connor McClendon, also a winger, uh, five foot eight kid out of the WHL. So the draft class is complete. Let's start off with the first pick. Uh, On day two, Emil Andre, this tiny little Swedish defenseman, but uh, he can really skate. He can really move the puck. Brooke, uh, what did you think of that pick?
2: I was really excited right off the bat because I think in previous draft years, a lot of teams ran away from some of the smaller guys in the draft class. I'm convinced last year that's why Cole Caulfield went so late in the first round because of his size and the concern for that. But – I mean, right off the bat from seeing a little bit of um, his plays from the past few season, you see a player who works both ends of the ice, which is something that fits the Flyers organization very well lately. They like having basically a defenseman that can work a 200-foot game. So I'm really excited with him. And, yeah, basically 5'8", who cares? If you're good, you're good. So I hope that he comes in whenever it happens, and I'm looking forward to him developing more and seeing how he improves his game. But five eight's not a big deal. Wasn't that how tall Danny Briere was? Or five ten?
1: Yeah. Let's exactly. Let's be real. The game is getting uh, more about quickness, speed, and skill than it is just you know brute size and stuff. So. Um, I think the Flyers really, like you said, Brooke, they, I think they really prioritized in this draft, they prioritized skill, um, hockey sense, and just overall ability and character. I think they got a lot of character, high motor guys um, with skill and good upside. Uh, so, yeah, Emil Andre, I don't think they really cared that he was five foot 5'8". Uh, the kid can play, uh, offensive-minded guy. Uh, Joe, uh, Brooke touched on it, but did you like the pick?
0: I like the pick. And, and you know, again, I mentioned this last night, too. I know we see with all these players, you see the NHL comparables. And I saw Tory Krug floating around. Again, sign me up if it's Tory Krug. I think Tory Krug, despite the fact that it doesn't seem like the it seems like he and the Bruins are at an impasse in terms of a contract. Um, I think he's one of the best power play quarterbacks in the entire NHL. And if this guy projects to be even 60% of Tory Krug, I'll take it. I mean, you'd hope for a little more. He's a second-round pick. But this franchise has also shown the ability to develop defensemen. So, you know, I mean, you have Phil Myers, who wasn't drafted. And now, you know, I don't know that he's ready for it quite yet, but he's at least in the conversation of somebody that could jump up to a potential top D-pair in the situation the Flyers are in with and retiring if needed. So, you know, I, I, I like a higher round pick with a franchise that right now seems to be hitting on developing defensemen. So I, I think it was a good pick.
1: And yeah, Nick done a really good job, too, scouting Sweden. Uh, we know the Swedish roots with the Flyers. Robert Haig, Oscar Lindblom, they have, I think, three prospects that played in, in, in the uh, Swedish Elite League last year um, and are still here. Um, and then, of course, they went out and got Linus Sandin, uh, in the offseason, signed him out of the Swedish Elite League. And ironically, uh, he was teammates with uh, Emil Andre. And, small uh, world. Right? Small world, small hockey world. We got a chance to ask Emil Andre if he, you know, if he looked up to any players. And obviously, there was the Tori Krug uh, comparison, but also um, he said he looked up to uh, Linus Sandin's brother, Rasmus Sandin, defenseman for the Maple Leafs. So, yeah, a lot of Swedish connections, and the Flyers have done a good job scouting that area. So uh, you, I think you can at least trust that they definitely did their homework on this kid and saw him a ton. But uh, let's move on to that, that next pick. Um, the Flyers, as we know, did not have a third-round pick because of, the, because of the Justin Braun trade. Um, but they did instead move up to that first pick in the fourth round, and they got a very, very cool, cool story, inspirational type of player that has faced all types of adversity and uh, has overcome it. Um, a winger, Zaid Wisdom, um, out of the OHL. Very cool backstory. A kid that's overcome a really difficult upbringing, and the Flyers just raved about his character. But not just his character. They think he's a pretty skilled player that can score. He's more of a hard-nosed north-south winger, they said. But they, Chuck Fletcher believes he's got some understated skill and good hands. Uh, but just a really cool kid and cool player. Uh, Brooke, what did you think of that wisdom pick? I think his name not only caught people's eyes, but then once people found out about him as a person, uh, they kind of fell in love with him.
2: Yeah, that is basically in a nutshell how my reaction went (laughs) when it initially was announced because – First of all, I I love hockey names because you really never know what you're going to get. (laughs) So they, they just always fascinate me every single year with the draft. It's like, how crazy can they get? How unique can they be? But aside from that, I, first impression of him has just been a player who has such a great personality, character to himself. He's very poised. He's very... He's very together for his age. And I think that that's something that's very notable. But he also has the potential to be a player that Philadelphia will love because of his hardworking aspect, because of his physicality. And, I mean, we got the Wayne Simmons stamp of approval. What else do you need when Wayne Simmons says that Philadelphia is going to love this guy? I'm sold. I already do. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, a guy that was a fan favorite in Philadelphia, and he tweets out, uh, hey, Philly, you have a new fan favorite. Um, I think we can trust Wayne Simmons there that we're going to like this kid. Uh, Joe, from what you read about him and uh, and saw about him, uh, what, what did you think of the pick?
0: Yeah, um, what stood out to me is his um, production from his first year in the OHL to his second year is a staggering improvement, and I think that shows... Uh, growth as a player and a player who likely is willing to grow. And he'll obviously have to do that to reach the NHL and make it on this level. And I think when you see a player who has already experienced, um, I mean, would he had 10 points in his first, uh, his first year in the OHL, and then he ended up having a 49-point improvement for, from his first year to his second year, so that's uh, – I mean, that's, that's a staggering increase. And I think when a guy at a young age experiences that sort of growth, then he's willing to experience it again because the NHL is going to be nothing like the OHL, but he already has experienced a major shift within one league. So I think, you know, the sky's the limit for this kid. And, and I think when you look at his past, his – you know, he – No, he he knows what it takes uh he knows about hard work we mentioned the simmons connection so um you know i I think he could draw back on whatever his off-season routine was between that first and second season in the ohl maybe try to replicate that or ramp it up to the nhl level and and see what happens
2: flyers talk is presented by wells fargo when our communities meet us wells fargo is here to help
1: Elliot DeNoise, also a player that the Flyers traded up for. They traded their two seventh-round selections to go up and get this winger, a kid out of the QMJHL. Um, he was on a really, really good team uh, this uh, last season. And then in the offseason, he was traded to the Halifax Mooseheads. But he was on a loaded team, uh, one of the best teams uh, in major junior hockey. Uh, so he played kind of a limited role. But the Flyers really like his upside. He he called himself a two-way player, um, and the Flyers think with a bigger role, uh, that he could become a, n- a nice little player for them. Uh, Brooke, what did you think of Elliott Denoit?
2: I really enjoy when a player, again, this young, that's first being drafted, to know exactly the kind of player that they are, and knows their strong points, isn't really afraid to announce what he wants to work on, but be confident in what he's already great at so like you noted he is a great two-way player already so he can compete on both ends of the ice but he also knows and we're also aware that skating isn't his top skill he's got to work on his speed to some degree but again we touched on this last night you can always improve your skating so I'm pretty excited to see what he's capable of doing um and I mean he loves the Rocky films. Yeah. So as soon as he said that with his media availability, I was like, he has major respect for the Flyers organization and he loves the Rocky franchise. And I think that's two peas in a pod for Philadelphia. And as somebody who popped out the womb and has watched Rocky since then, I, I'm looking forward to his, him being an addition <laughs> to the organization for sure.
1: No, it's so true. When, the, uh, when, when he was asked about, you know, kind of what he knew about Philadelphia, he smiled and he went right to Rocky. I'm like, oh, this kid gets it. He's already off to a nice I list. love it. I love <laughs> the it. City. And not only that, it, it looks like he's got some nice upside. It looks like the organization um, is, is pretty high on his upside. Uh, Joe, what did you think of that pick?
0: Yeah, when you look at the scouting reports, a couple things stand out to me in that uh, uh, Brooke mentioned he declared himself a two-way player. And then the first line on the scouting report is that he rarely makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. So a two-way player that rarely makes mistakes, generally the two-way players are the ones that have more of a chance to make mistakes. So that combination of attributes, um, both his self-assessment as a two-way player and that he rarely makes mistakes. I mean, what more can you ask for? I also noticed a lot of uh, talk about him being good without the puck. And I think that's things that, that's a thing that young players, a lot of times they struggle with, struggle with obviously forwards playing without the puck is not something that young players come in the league with a natural ability to do. And I like that. Definitely like reading that about him. And that's, that stood out to me. And I think that'll uh, that will set him apart because, um, you know, those are the things that coaches and, and, the scouts and the people that are responsible for him moving up in the organization are going to notice. Um, so I, I really, I really like that L- the list of attributes, uh, very positive.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Some of these prospects are already, you know, if it was a normal year, you know, you're talking about their season kind of just finishing, um, you know, they're, they're being drafted in June. Um, and they're a little while away until starting their next season. Uh, but now some of these prospects are already underway in, in their new, you know, in their season, in their 2020-21 season. Um, Elliott is being one of them, he's, he's already started with Halifax. And, uh, I, yeah, long story short, I think he's a guy that you just want to see him. He'll be a guy to keep an eye on because, again, he played a limited role last year on a really, really loaded team. Now he's on a team that he's going to kind of see greater responsibility and you can really kind of get a sense of who he is um, as a player when he gets kind of more put on his plate.
2: At Nissan, we made your choice for a new car an easier one than ever with our most exciting and fuel-efficient lineup. The choice is yours. Now get great offers across our full line. Shop at your local Nissan store today at NissanUSA.com.
1: And then uh, the final pick for the Flyers was uh, Connor McLennan. I actually think he's a really exciting player too. Listen, we, we, we're all going to find positives about these prospects um, obviously they all have areas where they can improve um, and truly their prospects until we see them become NHL players and really know what they can be. But um, you have to, you know, give kudos to the flyers that they drafted a lot of kids with upside and, and potential even in the lower rounds. Uh, and this was their final pick. It came in the sixth round, Connor McLennan, real tiny kid, five foot eight, 160 pounds, uh, but he can really score. And I found it interesting that they opened the draft with a winger who could shoot in uh, in Tyson Forrester, and then they finished their draft with a winger who can shoot and is known to score some goals. Uh, Connor McLennan, Brooke, what did you think of that selection?
2: Yeah, I was also kind of really excited when that was the move that Fletcher decided to do, Fletcher and Co., I should say. Yeah. Um, but we were joking right before the podcast, we were a little disappointed that the Flyers and the Canadians didn't swap off that seventh round pick again. I just feel like it's been tradition the past few seasons. So that was a bit of a letdown, but no, I am super stoked with the fact that the Flyers just went after the players that they wanted this year. They were so aggressive and they were trading off in the draft, but they also were able, like you said, Jordan, to capitalize in every single round. And from the short... Time that we've had Fletcher as general manager and drafting, I've been very impressed the past two seasons with how he has handled both drafts that we've seen him um, with the Flyers. So it's a little interesting with uh, McLennan's past season because it was cut short. He did have that collarbone injury, but again, he still put up 49 points in 42 games. So you can tell that there's still offensive projection and going above and beyond every single time that he is playing. So that in addition to the upside that they see and the craftiness of a player that he is, I mean, man, if I could grade the draft, I know that we weren't asked if we were going to grade them. I would give this draft an A. I was really impressed with how they did things overall. So round of applause. (laughs) But yeah, I'm super excited for his upside.
1: I like it. No, that's high praise. And um, I think that was the overall consensus, I think, of a lot of people. They were very pleased with the draft World Cup. So I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, a lot of kids with upside. Uh, they, they moved up when they had to. Um, and you yeah, have McLennan, like you said, shortened season because not only of COVID-19, but he he uh, suffered a collarbone injury. But in uh, in 42 games, he had 49 points, 21 goals, 28, 28 assists. The Flyers really like his goal-scoring ability. And um, obviously right now like in the sixth round you don't really care about size if you know you, you're seeing the league transition more and more to players that are smaller but highly skilled um, and hey give him a shot see what he can do see how hard he can climb. Uh, Joe what what do you know about the player and what do you like?
0: Well you know you, you guys touched on it a little bit and I actually mentioned this last night with the Forrester pick. Um, the Flyers generally lean in the draft toward a guys that can do a bunch of different things. And I felt like in this draft, maybe, rather than focusing up the middle of the ice, where right now it seems like they're pretty strong, they focused on the area they don't seem to always focus on, and that's the wingers, and particularly wingers who can score. Um, you mentioned it. They begin and they end the draft with guys whose prominent skill is scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at his size, you just mentioned, I mean, just look at not comparing the players to these guys, but you just look at Tampa Bay, they won the cup. And, you know, the players that stand up for them, you have guys like Braden Point and Tyler Johnson. And these are not players who are, you know, tipping the scales if by any means. Um, they're shifty, quick players. They get lost in the defense. And that seems, what, that seems to be the way the league is right now. Now, of course, on that team, you have your bigger guys like your Stamkos and your Kucherov. You have guys like that. And, and, you know, all successful teams have a mixture. But I think you need some of these guys that I saw throughout the playoffs, guys that get lost in the offensive zone. They get lost behind the defense. Um, Travis Konechny is one of those guys it doesn't always go that way for him, but you know, I, I think you need those players and I think the flyers did a good job of zeroing in on that. Um, you know, and this particular player, you know, you see, uh, mentioned he, uh, in the under when he, now I was under 17. So that's not really anything to go off of, but he, uh, accomplished a feat that only Cole Caulfield, who we talked about earlier in this, uh, podcast, uh, had done before in terms of scoring. So I I really, you know, I feel like, especially for the last pick in the draft, your, your last pick, a sixth round pick. I mean, if you can develop this guy, all these players seem like they're very um, developable is not a word, but like open to coaching and, you know, honing in their skills And uh, what they project to be in the next level, and I I think they did a good job at that.
1: Yeah, I feel like the Flyers really focused on players with like one real noticeable strength, and that's sometimes good. Like you said, don't just draft maybe these, you know, players that are, um, you know, what are they? What's the saying? Um, Why am I blanking on this saying? I think it's a uh, a jack of all
2: trades. Yes, a jack
1: of all trades, but a master of none. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I needed. that. Right.
0: <laughs> and and, and what's the, what, what seems to be the most commonly used phrase in the NHL now, it seems like it's, you're always saying, well, this person's a 200-foot player. Well, that's great, but you, you also need guys that their main, sc- their main skill comes in the offensive zone. Right. Um, I mean, this, this league is about scoring as much as it's about defense. And, you know, the teams that have won the cup recently – you you know Washington Tampa you see these teams it's not like these teams are lacking in the scoring department they have their two hundred foot players but then they have guys that stand still in the circle and shoot and shoot the pop ball the, the whole game so you know you need a mixture of both and I think I feel like the Flyers honed in on the uh, th- this is the skill set we need let's go after a specialist in that skill set I think that's what they did in this draft.
1: Exactly. And then you really, I think, just trust your your development, uh, your development staff, and then you, you trust your homework on the player. Are these players hard workers? Do they have hockey sense? Do they have drive? Um, if they do, then they'll get better in the areas that they lack. And then that, that one strength will get even better. So I think the five, I, I could not agree more with both of you. I think the overall draft, five players, um, a lot of kids with upside, and uh, one really Obvious strength, and and they're all attractive strengths. So, visit your Philadelphia area Cadillac dealer today and experience the ultimate in iconic luxury. And I, f- I found it interesting that uh, McClendon, the sixth round pick, he said he models his game after Alex Debrinkit. Um, you know, five foot seven winger who scored forty one goals in two thousand eighteen nineteen. So you're seeing some of these players that um, size be damned, they go to the NHL and they and they produce. And these guys look up to these players. So if they see someone do it, you know, they can work towards it and maybe do it themselves. So,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, what I had mentioned earlier about, you know, I, and I know this is very early to be doing this. Well, this guy projects to be this guy in the NHL, but when you start, you, you mentioned to and I mentioned earlier with Tori Krug, I mean, if these guys turn out to be any semblance of those players I mean, it's a home run. You're not gonna hit a home run with every pick. It's just not gonna happen. But, you know, the projections, you know, what what last night, the first the first round pick Forrester, w- the first two names you see are TJ Oshi and Corey Perry, sign me up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like you said, if you if you get even a semblance of those guys, uh, you know, you'll you'll be pretty happy with that, don't you think, Brooke? Yeah, and
2: I mean it's not also just the fact that they're modeling players after some of the top performers in the league right now. We also have to take into account the fact that the NHL is always evolving. The game that we saw this past season was not the same as a decade ago, as two decades ago. And if we're learning anything, it's that it's a faster, more dynamic game. People who can shoot size doesn't matter. Like it's, Be aggressive, be right on top of the puck, and I think it's fun. I think it's a really, I don't know, like I've grown up with the game and even in two decades it's completely evolved from when I first started watching it, but it's becoming more exciting for say, like my newcomer friends who are watching hockey because I forced them to essentially and they're like, oh, I didn't realize that this was as intense as you said it was. And I was like, yeah, it's the best sport in the world. I don't just say that to say it. <laughs> so I think that it's, it's honestly just a really exciting time to be watching the league develop and grow once again into an entirely different dynamic. So this, this draft class is going to be a huge part of that.
1: Yeah. And I look forward yeah. to it. Visit your Philadelphia area Cadillac dealer today and experience the ultimate in iconic luxury. Now we shift towards the immediate future and that's NHL Free Agency, uh, which opens on Friday, noon Eastern time. Um, And it could be an interesting time for the Flyers. They could do very little or they could go out and surprise us and really kind of um, augment and really supplement uh, the group that's already here. I wanted to ask you both. I think before the Matt Niskanen retirement, it was clear cut, dry, that the team was pretty set on defense, pretty set in net, and if there was any area really to improve, it would be within their forward group with maybe some more depth scoring or just some more help there. Now that Matt Niskanen has retired, and also and there's a pretty big void on the blue line by his absence – What do you think? Do you think the Flyers need to address defense more in the offseason, or do you think the forward group is more of a void? Brooke, let's start with you.
2: It's interesting because we were talking weeks up to leading into free agency saying Flyers aren't going to do anything. No blockbuster moves, no huge signs. Like, it's going to be this team 95% next season as well. We weren't expecting anything. The news came out with Niskanen mid-podcast. We were recording earlier this week, and we were like, wait, okay, we have to backtrack and reverse basically everything that we've been saying because I do think that finding another core veteran defenseman could be crucial for next year because Niskanen was able to calm the blue line down so much and – Everyone respected him in the locker room and became an instant leader. And that's just because of the respect that he has earned through his years in the league. And obviously we wish him best in retirement and what comes next after his career. But man, it threw a wrench into our (laughs) plans. So I do think, honestly, that the Flyers may go out and get a defenseman. I know that Blue's Petrangelo is a big is a big name right now that Flyers fans are hopefully targeting. And while it may not be super cap friendly, if we can get a nice deal, I mean, he's former captain, Stanley Cup winner. So he's rightfully earned the contract that he's going to get. I think his kind of game would fit well in Philadelphia. Um, It's just going to be a matter of, are the Flyers going to be willing to put that money out, see if they're going to even acknowledge it. They might not even bring in another defenseman. Honestly, I thought that they weren't even going to re-sign Braun, and then the Niskan news happened, and then the Braun signing came out a few hours after. So I feel like Flyers might be shuffling to get things in order now because we were shocked, but obviously they were too. So – Yes. I don't know. I'm very, I'm intrigued. I'll use that word. I'm not really sure how Friday's going to go down.
1: I think that's the perfect word to use because I'm intrigued as well, but I really don't know how they're going to approach it. Chuck Fletcher even said um, on Wednesday after the draft that he was asked about free agency. And he said, oh, listen, I'm not really sure how it's going to go. Um, we're not going to just spend to spend. Um, but he did say, he's like, we really do like our defensive core still. And obviously they really liked their situation in net maybe he was hinting at that they're still eyeing forward a little bit more than they are on the blue line, because it's kind of weird. You lose an all-situation guy like Matt Niskanen, but it was a position of depth for them, without a doubt. Um, and you wonder if they can get by with kind of just <coughs> patchworking it by committee because they like their depth so much. But at the same time, all of a sudden, you lose Niskanen, but you free up a lot of cap space, um, 5.75 million, I believe, for Niskanen. So now all of a sudden you have some wiggle room, too, that maybe go out and actually do something. So it's just weird. You just, it's hard to tell what they're going to do. Um, Joe, what would you like to see them do? Would you like to see them address forward more, or would you like to see them go out and really kind of fix the blue line and, and fill the void of Niskanen?
0: Uh, Brooke mentioned it. Uh, the second I saw the Niskanen news, the first name that came to my mind was Alex Petrangelo. He's not. He's still in his prime. He's, he's been the captain of a Stanley Cup champion team. I know Craig Berube loved him as a player in his time with St. Louis, um, sound defensively with, some off, with offensive skills as well. I think he would be a huge addition to this team on and off the ice. Um, I think the other thing that's going to happen that we, we really need to watch is there's a lot of teams that have cap issue, at, so they're going to be trying to trade players. One of the names that jumped out at me before the Niskanen thing, I think the Flyers would have to shuffle some more pieces to make this work. I believe Tyler Johnson and his agent are working with the lightning to get him traded. Now, that would be an interesting player to me. You're speedy forward. He doesn't play top line for them. I believe he has top line potential. He has in the past for them. So I think that would be an interesting name that could be on the move. The other thing that I saw is, and he, well, I know I, Oliver Ekman Larson has basically said, trade me by Friday or I'm staying in Arizona, but he's also got a list of teams that don't include the flyers that he says he wouldn't go to. I think that if he were open to it, that would be a great option for the flyers too. And it wouldn't cost as much as Petrangelo. But, um, I, I think they need to make Petrangelo their number one target. The problem is there's going to be at least five or six other teams that are doing the same thing. So And I I don't think – back in the day, a decade, probably even more than that, 15, 20 years ago, the Flyers were always a destination spot for free agents. And when a big name is a free agent, I felt like the Flyers were always in their top three or four teams. I don't know that that's the case anymore automatically. It can be the case for some, but I don't know that it's automatically one of the landing spots. And – which just leads to more competition. So um, I think they're going to have to – they're going to have to really want it if they want to go get Petrangelo because there's going to be other suitors for sure.
1: Yeah, and some of the appeal, I think, of Matt Niskanen when they initially acquired him is that he was obviously a veteran guy who's been there, done that, won a cup, uh, and they were only going to have him for two years. So you have a decent, you know, a decent little cap hit of his, but you know you weren't going to be tied down to him. Um, you weren't going to be taking a huge hit on the cap for years down the line. And then you wouldn't really be blocking any prospects. Whereas with yeah, I guess they got to see what he demands, what he wants, how many years, how much money will it hurt them capitalize in, you know, a few years down the line. And when they're trying to sign other players, um, I guess that's the balance. You got to, you got to fight as a general manager going into this, but do you, do, Brooke, do you think the flyers are, we've debated this almost ad nauseum, but, Do you think they really have to go out and get one of those bigger names at forward or per Trangelo, or do you think they can maybe patch it up a little bit and be okay going into the next season with what they have?
2: I really don't think that they're going to do anything forward wise. I know that that's something that's been, you know, hinted at that they might, but genuinely I don't feel like anything huge is going to happen again. And I've said this a nauseating amount of times as well. Resign Tyler Pitlick and I'll be fine. Yeah. I'll be fine. This could be a chance where if they don't go out and get another veteran from the blue line to really test the waters with their depth and see really who can replace him. See who's going to be a leader and step up. The big thing that I liked about Niskanen was his ability to help Provorov grow into the player that we all expected him to be in just one season. So I don't really look at next year being Provorov's year to be the leader of the defense. I think that that's almost too much to ask of him. And you know, his mentality when it comes to playing, he accepts and take on any challenge given to him and he's, expressed vocally over the past two seasons as well, that he wants to become a more vocal leader. Maybe it's kind of like a passing of the torch unintentionally. Like, all right, Proby, it's you. Let's bring up some guys from Lehigh Valley. Let's get some prospects rolling and let's see what we can do. Let's stress the point that we have drafted so well and our pipeline and prospects are flourishing right now. Let's put it to the test. But ultimately, it's like, if you crash and burn, what happens then? So.
0: I, I, had mentioned, I, I had mentioned this um, before. I feel like w- when you look at the Flyers forwards, you have presumably, all indications are Lindblom and hopefully Nolan Patrick coming back healthy. I feel like if you go out and make a big splash for a top six forward, you might be stunning the – Kind of, I, I don't know if you would say growth, but kind of the reemergence into the lineup for those two players. Um, I talked to Bobby Ryan last week. Everybody makes the natural link because he's a hometown kid that the Flyers would be after him. That's a signing that I, I feel like, while it would get headlines and people would get all excited about it, I, I feel like that could be potentially detrimental to some of the players that are already on the roster. I mentioned Tyler Johnson earlier too. That could be the same thing, but, but I think Tyler Johnson is a bona fide player that's going to make an impact if you were able to somehow find a way to trade for him. So that's a totally different scenario if you're able to work out a trade as opposed to going and, and, and signing Bobby Ryan and kind of hoping you're getting the Bobby Ryan from a few years ago that he had that big playoff run with Ottawa. And, and we don't know. He's been through a lot. Um, so, you know, um, and that interesting conversation uh, I was on with Taryn uh, Hatcher interviewing Brian Elliott earlier this week. And Brian Elliott, when referring to the defenseman, said, we'll either go with the guys we have who we think are great, or maybe Chuck has something up his sleeve. And I found that comment very interesting. Uh, I wrote about it for NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com coming up later this week. Uh, I found that comment interesting when he said maybe Chuck has something up his sleeve in referring to the defenseman. So, um, I mean, clearly as a goalie, I'm sure he wants the help with the defenseman as well as Carter Hart. Um, so I think it'll be interesting, but I feel like defensemen they can't just, uh, that has to be their focus now with Matt Niskanen out of the picture.
1: No, very fair. Very fair. And um, I'm sure Chuck Fletcher, when he heard that, well, you know, he knew the news from Matt Niskanen, basically the day after uh, that Game 7 loss to the Islanders, Matt Niskanen called him as uh, the defenseman was driving home to Minnesota and said, hey, I'm going to retire. And Chuck Fletcher basically advised him, hey, you know, tough loss, you're driving, why don't you go home see family and just, you know, catch back up with us. And, uh, you know, he was resolute in his desires to retire. And um, I'm sure once Fletcher heard that, he was like, well, I thought I had a clear-cut focus of what I was going to do in free agency, but now I kind of have another position group to uh to address so we shall see how they do it internally externally via trade via uh signings um they'll they'll have different routes and avenues to take but uh we will have to wait and see but regardless it should be fun and we will definitely have plenty of fun uh talk about it uh once it all unfolds free agency friday noon eastern time should be uh should be fun to follow but as always uh brooke desher thank you so much for coming on fun talking draft and free agency and looking forward to talking more for agency uh, going into next week. Joe Fordyce, thank you so much as always as well. Great insight. Catch both of their work at NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. Uh, and we'll have plenty, uh, plenty more moving forward. But this is the latest Flyers Talk podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. I am Jordan Hall. Special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer as well. Flyers fans, wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.